Before we get to another episode of Swings and Mishes, want to make sure that you guys know that my buddy Louie over at HappyCarsFlorida.com spent this week at a car auction. He has some brand new cars in his inventory. You got to check it out. Go to HappyCarsFlorida.com right now. He'll have those posted online for you later today. You can also call him directly at 954-800-2449. Interest-free financing and no payments for months. In addition to that, if you have good credit, great. Bad credit, fantastic. No credit, that's cool too. However you want to get set up with a car, make sure you check Louie out in Fort Lauderdale. Go to his website right now. Take a look at the inventory he has at happycarsflorida.com. Check them out. Get yourself into a new car, a used car, or better yet, when you give him a call, say you got sent by Craig Mish over at Swings and Mishes. Tell him what car you want. Within days, you'll be in it. You'll be driving it home. HappyCarsFlorida.com. Make sure you give my buddy Louie a call. You guys know the phone number, 954-800-2449. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined, as always, by Craig Mish. I'm happy to be back on the show this week. Uh, last week, we had a really great interview from Martin Prado with Craig. Uh, on the episode and so now we're here to talk a little bit of Marlins baseball and actually some other sports here in South Florida but first uh, another blown save uh, for the Marlins last night this time it was Jose Urania Craig you tweeted out that the good Greek moving and storage guys should be the closer no job too big or small for them huh uh, what are we thinking about where, where the Marlins are at at this point and especially when it comes to closing out games yeah, a little bit later in the show, um, Mike Jacobs is going to join us, the former Marlin, who I think has done a fantastic job in, uh, in, in managing that squad, and they're in the midst of a postseason there for them. Uh, Sandy Alcantara has an event coming up that I want to tell you guys about on Saturday, and Sandy will join us on the show as well, and of course, Austin Dean will do his uh, little college football picks, but uh, yeah, last week, I didn't really feel like there was much of a need to talk a, a lot about the on-field pro side for the Marlins just because they were just getting obliterated. And I was kind of hoping that this week we would come back and have some different results. But unfortunately, with the exception of the one win at Pitt, uh, at Pittsburgh, where it was a great comeback, they came back, Rojas had a home run, and then and Cooper ended up winning it. It's been kind of more of the same, unfortunately, for them. And and look, the, the ninth inning, once they traded Romo, they didn't even really have any save opportunities for a long time, so it certainly didn't matter. But uh, Arrhenia certainly could close games in the future as a possibility. But as a closure, you have to be able to close back-to-back nights. I understand he had never done that before. But these are major league players. We're not going to make excuses for them. There's no doubt. It has been a tough run since the trade deadline uh, for the Marlins. Um, I I would think that coming soon, they're going to just have to be some significant changes. There's just going to have to be. I, I I don't think that you can kind of have this run like this without that happening. I know that there are a lot of people that are watching this very closely over the next month to see what happens in terms of effort level, in terms of participation level from some of these players. There's no doubt there have been some silver linings. There have been some good players. Arguably, Starlin Castro has been one of the best players at his position since moving to third base. But let's be honest, we probably won't have a single conversation about Starlin Castro after the month of September ever again on this podcast. No disrespect to him, but he probably will not be back, and that will be the end of it. 
gotta focus on the guys who may be here in the future. And um, it just, it, Jeremy, it just hasn't gone well. I was hoping that we could pop off at right. the start of this podcast this week and say, hey, look, they really turned it around. They started playing a lot better. But uh, truth be told, they're playing against one of the bottom feeders in the NL right now, and that team is going toe-to-toe with them right now in right. Pittsburgh. Right, yeah, it's, it, it's been difficult to watch, especially, honestly, since, since Brian Anderson went down. Uh, it really sucked the life out of whatever was left in terms of enjoyment watching this team compete at the moment because they are, you know, just outright struggling um, and they're not closing out the games that they do have the lead and it's very rare that they have had the lead. I mean, they went an entire month without winning a game on the road. Yeah, um, and, and, and last week I, I talked about this a little bit and I want to mention it this week and then we'll, we'll kind of get yeah. to our interviews here. And, and I want to say a couple of things. The first thing is that obviously – uh, I, I have a ton of respect for the Marlins and the organization. They have helped out so much with, with me and this podcast this year, helping me get guests. It is not the thing that I want to do is pop off on Twitter and make jokes and things like that. But at the same time, as you guys know, and everybody knows from me covering the team and covering Major League Baseball, I'm going to call it fairly. I'm not a team employee, uh, as, as Mike Hill pointed out to me when he kicked me out of the fantasy football draft. <laughs> this year i am not a team employee i'm not, not allowed to be in it so mike good luck to you i hope you win no games all year <laughs> long um but but that being said that being said i'm going to call this thing fairly and i'm going to tell you what i believe is really going on with very little sugar coating it is better for me to have the team good than it is bad i will get right. more sponsors i will get more people listening to this but we have to call it how it is uh i i feel like the team has been very unimaginative and they have not tried new things i think this is the time to do it I would not make Ryan Stanek the opener against the Washington Nationals or the Philadelphia Phillies or the Atlanta Braves. But when you're playing against Pittsburgh and Kansas City, arguably these are glorified spring training games at this point in the months of September. And I know that for Clint Hurdle, this means a lot. I know it means a lot for Don Mattingly, and it will mean a lot for Ned Yost coming up this weekend. But it, me, it would be tinkering. It would be experimenting. And it would be doing things differently to see if they work because you really have nothing to lose and the Marlins just have been really uh, anti-doing that over the last few years. It has just been very regimented, always having the pitcher more or less bat ninth. Um, you know, you, you acquire a guy in Stanek. I understand they tried to make him a ninth-inning guy. It didn't work, at least for the time being. Why not try and see, with all of these, these pitchers who have been hurt and then they traded Gallon, why not try something different? Why not? What, what, what is, you don't do it against a contending team because from an ethical point of view – you don't want to show other teams in the league that you're just you're you're not trying against teams that are trying to get to the postseason. But if it was me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Kansas City, Ned Yost had a great comment the other night after his Royals got obliterated. He said, "You know what? I had to do something for the fans there, so I put a a, a position player in. I gave right. him something at the end of the game." Marlins need to do that. They need mm-hmm. to. They 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 the on field product in September is going to be difficult to watch, especially at home when the games don't mean anything. Uh, throw Stanek in as the opener. Try to make uh, Chen's pitch better lately. Maybe Chen could be a middle guy for you. Maybe Chen could be a, a starter again for you. There's just so little to lose, and it seems like right now it still is so much about going out there and winning and losing. Easy for me to say I'm not in the organization, uh, but I would absolutely tinker against the Royals, and I would have done it against the Pirates, but I would, I would definitely do it. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, two teams that are going to be a combined 100 games over under 500. I mean, well, why not? Well, why not? Why not try something? But seem to be not wanting to do any of that, and, and, and indeed, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Yeah, we'll see how creative the Marlins do decide to get the rest of the way, as this is sort of a, 
I mean, not, not a lost season. There were positives and negatives. There were plenty of storylines throughout. But at this point, the last month or so, there's, there's only so much that can really change in terms of, uh, of competition level. And as we talk about the competition level, as we talk about this being sort of a lost season in terms of wins and losses, we're seeing another team here in South Florida in a, in a similar light. Uh, the Dolphins have gone, I mean, if we're talking a, a build for the Marlins, the Dolphins have gone full tank mode. Um, in terms of just basically dismantling their entire roster in terms of production, uh, productive players. They traded Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. They traded Kiko Alonso. They've cut a bunch of uh, very productive players off the team. And it almost feels, you know, like the tank for Tua situation is happening for the Miami Dolphins. I, I'm wondering if you see either any parallels or you see, you know, differences in approach, whether it be from how the front office has handled things in terms of PR if it's in terms of, uh, of how quickly you can rebuild in the NFL versus the MLB, you know, what are some of the things that, that you're thinking about when you see Miami Dolphins tank versus Miami Marlins rebuild? Was it weird that I texted you two weeks ago that Tunsil was going to be traded? You know, all right. So it was weird. <laughs> and you because, responded to me, are you out of your mind? Yeah, or I, I, well, you know by now that when I say something, it's going to. It's outrageous. You texted me and I was like, where is this even coming from? <laughs> And it was now a couple of weeks before it even happens, and yeah. then it happened. And my initial thought was, "Who the heck is?" I, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do an Insiders Dolphins podcast at some point. But ridiculous! I my heart is always with baseball. My heart is covering tomorrow, so I'll continue that. We'll do a little football on the side. But I thought you came up with a great topic for this podcast today, which is kind of comparing the two. Um, I, I think that both teams went about it the right way. Uh, where did they go about it wrong? In terms of uh, the Marlins, I think the only thing that they did is probably panic a little bit by trading Yelich after he mm -hmm. wanted out. Uh, but I do think that having uh, Marlins CEO Derek Jeter at the podium talking was, was a far better, far and away better job than what the Dolphins did. I just, right. unless, unless their head coach Brian Flores is, is conducting a lot of the decisions, and I'm hearing that that could be the case, Certainly, it makes some sense to have him talk about it, but how could you not have the general manager address the media after trading arguably your most valuable player? I still don't understand how that happened, and I think that a lot of the negativity that's followed from the media that's covering the Dolphins is is more or less like with their hands up in the air, like give us give us the reasoning, like just kind of explain this to us why this is happening. Um, Stephen Ross, the owner of the the Marlins, has been, or the excuse me, the Dolphins. You know, came out a few months ago after they let Adam Gase go and basically said he's in favor of doing whatever the organization needs to do to get better. Uh, and, and we didn't hear from him since. Marlins CEO Derek Jeter was, was I thought, also a little bit evasive, but it was clear saying that tough decisions would have to be made. Uh, hard to imagine that Jeter in that press conference was going to say, hey, we're going to trade Stanton, Yelich, and Ozuna. Right. That didn't happen. Um, but but he did take the firing right the, the the firing squad from the media at that point like everybody was there so the Marlins I think uh, from a conceptual standpoint handled it a lot better than what the Dolphins did and and I think that people are starting to come around to the idea of the Dolphins just going into a season with a guaranteed losing season which is the first time ever I can remember yeah. in franchise history whereas now this is the second year in a row we know that the Marlins are going to do this, but there have been some similarities and, and some, you know, comments that have made that seem a little, you know, nonsensical, like, like teams are trying to win, but Jeremy, you got to understand there is no manager. There is no front office executive that is going to come out and say, we are tanking. No one will ever use that name. You cannot 
send that message. So uh, in summary, I think that the Marlins organization from a media standpoint, a community standpoint, and letting people know what uh, they were going to do, they did a better job than the Dolphins did. Inevitably, we'll have to judge both teams by how quickly they become good again. But I personally, uh, as somebody who covers the Marlins a lot more, obviously, than I cover the Dolphins, let's be honest, mm-hmm. um, can speak to the process and the, and the program that the Marlins are going through. I think they've done it more or less the right way almost every step of the way. I can't say that it's going to work because I don't know. But I know that the attempt is, is something that I would be in favor with. And also, from the Dolphins' perspective, this is something they should have done two or three times in the last 20 years, and they chose not to do it. Well, that's exactly where I, I agree completely in terms of the, the media relations side of it. I was very surprised that Chris Greer wasn't available uh, for the media to be able to sort of take the hits the way that Jeter did uh, for the Marlins as they were going through their rebuild. The only thing um, that I, I completely agree, I, I've seen the Marlins in the same way that you have in terms of seeing the process, watching it play out, I believe they're doing everything the right way. The Dolphins might not even have to do everything the right way and could be, quote-unquote, back sooner just as a result of if they land the quarterback, that's really all that ultimately ends up mattering. Um, And with how much free agency money they're going to have next offseason, all of these draft picks that they've acquired, the the, quote-unquote, tank and rebuild for the Miami Dolphins could end up being a quicker process just yeah, because mm-hmm. there's no minor league system. College no. football is the minor league system. So these That's guys, coming, it's immediate ready to play. So if you're rebuilding through a draft, it obviously is going to take longer for the Marlins than it would for the Dolphins. They started it a year or two ahead of the Dolphins. It could be quote, you know, done a year or two after the Dolphins, but that doesn't mean that the Marlins aren't doing it exactly the right way. It will just be interesting to see if both ultimately get the result of success from these builds. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm I, confident with the Marlins. Yeah, I, I think the, the only the, the, the Yelich uh, trade, no matter who is defending this thing at this point, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to call it what it is at this point and just move on from it. And, and by right. the way, all the other trades the Marlins made, it may end up being very good. Right. But if you are defending the Yelich trade at this point, you're just being silly. I mean, <laughs> you're just you're just wearing the rose-colored glasses and being a homer. Okay, mm-hmm. it's 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 not going to work out. Okay, right. <laughs> I mean, Christian Yelich is is a back-to-back MVP of the National League with the best contract in baseball. Move on from that already. Right. Um. You know, it, it's the equivalent of there's just it's some we're just rehashing the same stories over and over again. When all the trades are said and done. If the Marlins ended up making 10 trades, it looks like seven or eight are going to work, but that right. one is not. The other ones did. Stanton was the trade that was the franchise-saving trade for the Marlins. And if you ask anybody privately in the organization if they could have pulled that trade off and, and endured some very bad losses on the other side of those deals, they would have done it all over again. They, I mean, they were so lucky that Stanton had that MVP season that they could even move that contract it saved the franchise. It enabled them to do everything that they're doing now. And in two years, when they have that TV contract, they'll be able to expand upon the payroll and hopefully at least a little bit expand upon the payroll going into next year. So that was their key mistake. And for the Dolphins, the only mis- you know, mistake that I see was just trading for Rosen. I just don't get it. Like that, that, that's the one. Play it, it's very bizarre. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Why, why even trade for the draft pick? It doesn't even make sense. He's in a horrible situation. It would appear there. Again, yep. I am not 
uh, I followed football and fantasy and reality and covered the Dolphins home and road, covered the Buccaneers home and road. So I could certainly speak to it, but I don't cover them on a day-to-day basis. So it's not, fa- it, this is just me being hot take guy on a podcast yeah. saying, I don't get it, but I don't get it. Like, I, I don't, right. I don't understand it. Why even trade for him if you're not going to use him? Maybe they'd look back on that one and say, you know what? What, what did we do there? <laughs> but, or maybe they saw him in camp and decided, hey, this guy can't play. Maybe that, that right. is the case. You took the risk and that's it. It could be. So, the, you know, those are, I think, fair comparisons and a good topic to, uh, to jump into here on the, pad, on the podcast today, I think. And it'll be interesting to see how both of those teams sort of wrap up in, at the end of this season and going into the years uh, moving forward. But uh, as we do look at the years moving forward here with the Marlins, uh, we will speak to Mike Jacobs. And here on Swings and Mishes, we thought we would bring in a familiar face and a, fami- a familiar name, of course, in Mike Jacobs, former first baseman with the Marlins. And if you haven't been paying attention all season long, where have you been? Because Mike is now the manager of the Clinton Lumber Kings. They're involved in a postseason series right now. And we're going to spend some time talking about his season managing there and, of course, his playing days with the Marlins and find out about some of these young players that Miami drafted that Mike has had a chance to lay eyes on this season. So, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate being on. All right. Um, so, Mike, uh, what's it been like managing the squad this year and, and managing in Clinton? I, you know, going back to your playing days, I remember you playing with the Marlins. I, I knew that you had an eye for the game, and I thought you could end up being a coach or manager. Uh, kind of funny that you end up being with the Marlins and having so much success here in year one. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, been really, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I think uh, once I started uh, winding down in, into my career and started looking at what I wanted to do, uh, managing was something that I uh, definitely wanted to do and um, was fortunate enough once I stopped playing to uh, to get an interview with with uh, Miami and and uh, here I am managing so it's been it's been great all right and and uh, and I know that for those people who don't know and certainly a lot of Marlins fans listen to this podcast you guys have had a really good year and if I'm not mistaken on Wednesday night you guys won the first game in that postseason series against Kane Kane County uh, and Cameron Meisner, who was the uh, Marlins comp pick in the first round, ended up hitting a home run. You've had a chance to see a lot of these young kids come through. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the season. In general, the Marlins system in the minors was very successful this season and led by your team. Yeah, it, um, you know, uh, Meisner and, and obviously we got a Peyton Burdick as well. And, um, you know, they, they've been two really big additions to our team here in, in Clinton. Um, both had a really, really good uh, second half from when when they got here, when the time when they got drafted coming here. And, and like you said, yeah, Meisner hit a hit a, a big bomb. Uh, the game was tied three three at the time, and um, he hit it to the deepest part of the, of the park here in, in Clinton, which you don't see a lot of balls go out of. And, um, you know, when he had first gotten here, he had a couple homers right away, and I know he was he was wanting wanting to get a couple more, and uh, obviously stepped up in a big spot last night and and uh, put us ahead by three runs. So. Um, he's been really, really good. He's, he plays really good outfield. Um, great body on the guy. Big, tall, uh, strong, athletic. Uh, he can run. He can obviously hit for power. Uh, he plays really good outfield. And Burdick, Burdick's a, a, another guy who's, who's been really, really good for us. Um, he's got a ton of power, a ton of raw power. He, he he's, he's kind of reminds me of like a, a Lenny Dykstra, who's just, a, just an all-around baseball player in general. Um, kind of a, a dirt ball that just kind of gets after it. and um, The guys feed off him a lot and, and his energy. And, um, plays really good outfield. Uh, he can run as well. 
Um, and like I said, he's got a ton of power. So they've both been fun, really fun to watch. Yeah, and, and you have Evan Edwards there as well. And so, Mike, of, of anybody in the Marlins organization, I mean, you certainly can speak to, at the very least, this year's draft, which has gotten so many accolades around the country for the job sure. that DJ Svillick did and, and the organization, Gary Denbo, and everyone else that was involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take a look at the talent that is on your team, you may be taking a look at them, obviously, for the last time because they're probably going to get moved up somewhere next year well, yeah, well, hopefully yeah, they do hopefully hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they do get moved up um you know that's the goal obviously um you know and and as you're talking about with the draft yeah our, our draft is really really good this year we got a lot of good players um as you mentioned edwards being one of them um you know it's 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 something that uh i can say this is my third year here now in the organization and um definitely by far best drafts that i've been around that I've seen come through um you know I think when you just look at pure size of some of the guys that that we've gotten they, these guys look like ball players um you you start to get around them and they and you start realizing they are ball players um and I think it's just it's just a tremendous job our front office has done to uh try to help restock our our, our farm system yeah and and again when you have now seven of the Marlins prospects are listed in the top 100 that is certainly a very big deal for this organization because, Mike, as you know, the, uh, the pro side has been a struggle, of course, when you're kind of going through this build back up like the Marlins have. Sure. And, and, Mike, you were, you know, no stranger to that. I mean, when you were playing with the Marlins, you ironically kind of went through the same thing. The, the Marlins won the World Series in, in 2003, and then you and a lot of young kids ended up coming in and kind of going through a similar thing. Is it from a managerial standpoint, is that – kind of cross your mind at all does it remind you a little bit of, of what you guys went through and especially in the uh later um, part of your career with Miami yeah I mean I mean yeah it does um you know I just not really anything that that you really look back and, and I guess really dive into too much just other than the fact that you know this is just all part of the process you know it's all part part of the process to get in this organization where where uh where Derek and, and them want it to be and um kind of starting over and rebuilding it was all part of that, and uh, getting these guys in the, with this in, in the drafts, getting good players, uh, restocking it, uh, getting guys that are going to have value, uh, whether it be trades or or, or guys that are going to come up through the system and help out at the big league level. Um, you know, the the Miami fans should be really excited because we we're doing a lot of good things, um, and I and I don't think it'll be too long before uh, it starts turning in the right direction. Uh, Mike, you uh, mentioned Marlins Chief Operating Officer Derek Jeter, who's uh, made quite the rounds around uh, the minor leagues. Have you had a chance at all to speak with him this season and kind of uh, go over what uh, he says his game plan is for the Marlins in the future? And also Gary Denbo is another one who I would like to ask you about. He came on our podcast a couple of months ago. He's got a vision. You know, he, he wants to get things better and, you know, said if we need anything to reach out to him, things like that. So that was great. Um, as far as Gary, Gary's, Gary's been awesome. I, I've I've enjoyed my time around him. Uh, you know he he's very passionate about what 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 we're doing. Uh, he truly believes um, in his ways of, of of how things should be done. Um, and he he's a tremendous leader. He's a tremendous uh, person to be around. And and just to see his passion when he talks with the guys or or even when we're talking individually, um, you know the intensity that he brings is is. Uh, is something that I really admire and I, and I think is really good for the organization. 
Yeah, and and a lot of people, uh, you know, on the outside, of course, there's you know certainly people looking at the Marlins very closely to see how the minor leaguers perform because this is kind of what it's all about in 2019, maybe even 2020. Uh, before I get to what your future may look like, Mike, and kind of what your plan is, I would love to go back to those seasons that you played with the Florida Marlins, sure. and I covered those uh, very extensively here. And I just remember those years of you and the infield, that magical infield that you guys had with all of those home runs. Sure. You guys were the first to ever do it uh, with Dan Ugla and Jorge Cantu and, and Hanley Ramirez. What were those days like? I mean, you guys were just a bunch of young kids hitting bombs. It must have been wild. We were. We were. We were. That's exactly what it was. It was wild. Um, you know, we, 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 like you said, we were just young and, and, and we probably didn't know better. Um, you know, we just enjoyed showing up to the field every day and, and, and just playing and, uh, I think one of the cool things was that, you know, starting in 03 or not 03, in 06, uh, when they kind of brought us all in there together, um, gave us a few years to kind of kind of mesh with each other and, and kind of grow with each other and um, kind of figure out the big leagues all together at the same time, which I thought was really cool. And, um, you know, and then obviously in 08, we had, we had, a, we had a pretty good year. And, and obviously that infield was, was something special. And, um, you know, I think we kind of fed off each other and, and, uh, you know, we we like you know we went hard on and off the field. So um, you know we we liked it the homers and um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Some I'll never forget, obviously. And uh, you know, it just was, was a fun year. Yeah, I'll never forget uh, at one of the fan fests, Mike. I was doing the pregame broadcast, and I don't remember what year it was. I think it was '08. I think that was the year that. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so right before the fan fest. We brought in you. You did a nice interview. We brought in, uh, you know, Josh Johnson. He did a nice interview. And, mm -hmm. then, we, and then we bring in Jorge Cantu. And I, I'll never forget, uh, you know, we bring him on. It was me. And, uh, you know, we say, hey, Jorge, so how's everything going? How was the offseason? How's everything? And his first thing is, well, I just want to let everybody know I'm single. I'm like, what? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, that, was, that was just out of no. I'm like, okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for letting uh, That's I'm, funny. Yeah, yeah, and Algola's right. Yeah, that, 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 of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah we, we we we're we're a little wild, but you know we uh, we showed up to play every day. That's for sure, and and uh, you know we 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 were out there to to to, to beat everybody that we could, and um, just so happens we ran into a lot of balls and hit them out of the park as well. Yeah, and and I would say that 2008 season was I mean, I don't know is it fair to say there was a missed opportunity there? I know that. You guys won 84 games. The rumor was that you could have gotten Manny Ramirez at that time. You would have had to trade Stanton. We know the rest is, is kind of history. I'm sure you've heard those stories. But that 08 team was probably the last good Marlins team, right, Mike? Like, I mean, that was it, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we had a series, I think it was in, in end of September or going into September, somewhere in, maybe in the middle um, where we had a big series against Philly. I'll never forget that. We, we, really, needed, we really needed to take that series, and we didn't. Um, and I think that kind of crushed us after that. And we had battled with those guys all year that year, and, and I just remember how important. I think we had the Mets and them coming in that weekend or whatever it was, and um, just remember how important those those games were, and, and, and we didn't get it done, and kind of just was over after that. Uh, but, you know, we, we, made a, we made a good run. We, we had a chance. We had a chance to be able to play for something there at the end, and, and uh, obviously we just came up short, and um, is what it is. Yeah, it was a it was a fun season for sure, and you you got a chance to of course play with uh, Miguel Cabrera, who is 
for uh, yep. surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about that. I've gotten to know Miggy you know, well through the years, of course, living in South Florida. The, the player I would like to ask you about, Mike, as we kind of close out the historical perspective on the Marlins, uh-huh. is, is Hanley Ramirez. Because if you would have told yep. me back then, Mike, that Hanley Ramirez would be out of the game, uh, would not be in the Hall of Fame, would have a great, would, not a great, an unbelievable three- or four-year run, and then almost mm-hmm. – and, and go to LA. Yeah, he had that great little run, but fade, and his career faded so fast. I am, I just, that's the one thing that I would have bet so heavily on him being one of the greatest players in the game. People would ask me, I'm like, you know what, this guy Hanley, he's going to be better than Miguel Cabrera, and it just didn't happen. Why do you think that is, Mike? Now you're a manager, so obviously you can analyze these things a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> but 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 why? You know, why? Why did this not happen? Well, I'll, I'll say this: I, I definitely think he was still an, an amazing ball player and had an amazing career so um, I don't think you can take too much away from him in the far, as far as what he accomplished and what he did and the numbers that he put up and for how long he played and, um, but as far as why I think he is out of the game so fast in a sense um, that I really don't know um, I don't know if uh, just with how the game's kind of changing with, with certain things here and there with analytics or whatever that uh, somebody just must not have liked something, and I don't know what it is. I know he's had, he, he's always had some some shoulder issues throughout his career. Um, that could have been part of it, um, but I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be on somebody's roster helping him out right now because he uh, he's done amazing stuff in his career, and, and, and people forget even his his first few years in Florida, all the stolen bases he used to have. Yeah, I think guy has over 200 stolen bases. I know. Um, you know, and it just I always tell people when they ask me about him that. I never seen anybody else hit the ball as hard as he would hit the ball during batting practice, like line drives through the infield or, or just balls on a line that you that he would hit, just the sound and how hard the ball came off, and it was just just incredible. And uh, he he was a lot of fun to play with, a lot of fun to watch, and um, you know it, it'd be a bummer if somebody doesn't give him another chance sometimes, some somewhere here, whether even whether it's it's here. Um, going over to Japan or, I don't know, going somewhere else and playing, if, if that's what it took, I'd, I'd love to see him still play. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, people ask me, Mike, and, and I say that I, I said this on uh, on Twitter probably a couple of weeks ago, that the Marlins had an Acuna. His name was Hanley Ramirez. I mean, Hanley Ramirez was better than Acuna. <laughs> I mean, he was amazing. Yeah. I, I just I, – I, and you're right with those steals, 40 steals, 50 steals, 40 steals, led the league in hitting mm-hmm. – and, yeah, and look, you were very kind there, yeah. but, you know, obviously I, I think most people on the outside, you don't have to say it, but most people on the outside would look at it as a, as a phenomenal four or five years. And look, you'd never want it to take anything away from a big league player. I've, you know, it, obviously sure. guys, the guy had a, a great long career, but what could have been, I, I think, honestly, from a Marlins perspective, unfortunately is the way that we would look at it. Okay. So uh, as we close the book <laughs> on, um, yeah, I, I got to do it. On, uh, as we close the book on, on you, Mike, and, and it's, it's a new chapter of your career managing sure. in, in Clinton, and, and I'm wondering from your perspective now kind of where you see yourself. You've done a phenomenal job with that team this year. You're getting a first look at all of the young prospects in the organization. Is your goal eventually to do what other players have done in the past, it, it move up the ladder, eventually become a big league manager? Is that what the goal is? Yeah, ultimately that that is what my goal is. I, I would love to manage in the big leagues, and um, would love to go to get get back there in that capacity. Absolutely, um, you know, and, and and part of it is is you know going through going through the, the system again and and kind of doing all that kind of stuff. And 
you know, and if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Um, you know, but I think absolutely at the end of the day, I think something that, that I, uh, have passion for, um, something that I, I, I take very seriously and, um, and, and I enjoyed a tremendous amount of, and love working with the guys, love, love preparing guys, love seeing guys get better, all that kind of good stuff. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I do want to manage in the big leagues and, and, you know, hopefully one day I'll, I'll be able to get that opportunity. No doubt, Mike. You've uh, had a, a great run here this year for sure. The team looks great. The Marlins organization in the minors, there is undoubtedly more optimism and more tangible success than we've seen maybe in the history of the organization just now needs to translate over to the big league side. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck in this series, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again in spring training next year. Thank you so much. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. appreciate you guys. All right. Thank you, Mike. Coming up next, we'll hear from Sandy Alcantara. His charity event at Bucky Dent Park in Hialeah is this Saturday. Of course, on Saturday, there is a ton of college football. And if you use the BetQL app last Saturday and wagered on all of their five-star wagers, that you would have went 2-0-1. If you go to my Twitter handle, at Craig Nish, you can see the actual selections and the results of that and read my column over on BetQL.co. And if you're interested in taking a look at some of the picks, check this out. I'm going to give you a 20% off for any of the memberships that you sign up for only this week by using my promo code Craig, C-R-A-I-G. Head on over to betql.co. This is the second year in a row that I have used this app. I use it for college football. I use it for pro football. And, of course, they have all the other sports on there as well. You can get 20% off, and it is only $14, basically less than $10 a sport to check out them all for a week. Or you can even sign up for the entire season and you get the 20% off only this weekend by using my promo code Craig, C-R-A-I-G. That is over at betql.co. And also don't forget to download the app right now. It is super clean, super easy to use and more information than any wagering app out there in the country. BetQL app, betql.co. And here on Swings and Mishes, really special segment here, as I know that our next guest, very charitable. He already did an event earlier this year in Hollywood, Florida, and now another event this weekend coming up in uh, South Florida in the Hialeah area at Bucky Dent Park. We bring in Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins. He's done a phenomenal job on the mound. And now he's doing a phenomenal job off the field this weekend. And we want a lot of you South Florida fans, a lot of you Marlins fans who are listening out there to come support what Sandy is doing in terms of his charity. And he joins us now to talk about it. Sandy, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. We appreciate it. How are you? You're welcome, man. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, So let's talk about uh, what's going on uh, at your event this Saturday. I know that there's a softball tournament at Bucky Dent Park. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Um, the the softball tournament at the Bucky Dam Park <clears throat> is awesome for the family day and uh, adults and children. We have like 16 teams to participate in and donate like the, the equipment for the key and the Dominican Republic. Yeah, this weekend at Bucky Dam Park, it's going to be really exciting. As Sandy said, uh, 16 teams participating. 
uh, donating baseball equipment to help kids in the Dominican Republic in his hometown, underprivileged kids. Sandy is very uh, passionate about this. Uh, Sandy, what is the purpose of the event? Can you talk specifically about what will be accomplished at the event? Uh, I collaborated with uh, GMM Foundation uh, to get the asthma equipment that I possible uh, to take back to the Dominican Republic uh, to give it to the, to the key because they need it a lot. And also, I know that there's a lot of fans in South Florida, uh, Sandy, that certainly you know, would like to support you. And I know that uh, you're very fan-friendly. You always sign autographs. You're always there for the kids. I know that's important for you as well. All right. All right. What time is the event on uh, on Saturday? And tell people when they can come and how they can do it. Uh, the Toma and Key Area will be run like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hey, Sandy, you know, I know that this is a big event for you Saturday, but will you be doing more events like this in the future? Yeah, you know, because I was one of those key, like, the parent can buy me a glove or a spy to play baseball. I remember those days. I would be, like, willing to, to get out to the community and help the underprivileged kids. Yeah, very important for uh, Sandy, as he said, uh, grew up in a, a very poor area of the Dominican Republic, and, um, you know, certainly wants kids to be able to help. What a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that Sandy is doing this Saturday. Uh, okay, let's wrap it up with this, uh, Sandy, specifically on the event. You've already come on our podcast and talked so much baseball for sure. And, and congratulations on all the success that I know that you've had. Um, you know, really. Thank you. Thank you. All-star game, everything else has been uh, a phenomenal year. Last two months have been fantastic too. But here's the important thing. Where can people donate the equipment this Saturday? Uh, fan can bring anything to the event this Saturday at the Pokedem Park. Ball, bat, club. I will be there like 10 a.m. to 11.30. All right, so there you go. Sandy Alcantara will be at Buckingham Park this Saturday. There's a softball tournament. And um, by the way, for those people who don't know, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here a little bit, Saturday is also Sandy Alcantara's birthday on saturday yeah <laughs> so, so everybody needs to come and wish sandy a happy birthday but I, he doesn't want to ever make this about himself he doesn't even want to talk about it so i gotta say it uh but make sure you guys show up if you want to <laughs> see sandy in person 10 a.m to 11:30 a.m on his birthday on a day that the marlins play the kansas city royals he's donating his time the marlins are all about community and sandy is all about charity and i've known sandy for a long time and um and i have no doubt that he'll continue to be successful both on and off the field sandy thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again we look forward to seeing you saturday again bucky den park in hialeah 9 a.m to 4 p.m uh for sandy's foundation partnering with gmm thank you so much for coming on thank you man you're welcome before we get to Austin Dean's college football picks, if you decide that you want to get down on any college or pro football games this weekend, especially those huge games Saturday night, LSU and Texas, of course, on Sunday, Dolphins and Ravens, whatever games that you want to get in on, Sunday night, Monday night, a ton of options, in-game wagering, BetDSI is your place to do it. Don't forget to use my promo code SWINGS101, that's S-W-I-N-G-S-101, Get yourself a deposit bonus of up to $1,500 with your first deposit. That's right. You put in 1000 they give you another 1000 in bonus money. That's EBETDSI. Swings 101 is my promo code. 
So many great options to wager on this weekend. Make sure you take advantage of it and use my promo code SWINGS101 to get that deposit bonus. They have phenomenal customer service and fast payouts. They've been in business for a very long time. Again, that is BetDSI and my promo code to get you that deposit bonus of SWINGS101. All right, it is week two of the college football season. And, of course, we're back with our college football expert, Austin Dean of the Miami Marlins, the Dean machine. We'll see if he can keep this college football machine going. Um, All right, well, uh, Oklahoma State, they got their win last week. uh, So, of course, that was a good call by you, Austin. Uh, Oregon blew it at the end of the game. That was a big disappointment. Let's see what we can do this week. What do you say? Man, I was a little disappointed in that last one. Uh, I mean, obviously, Oregon looked pretty good. And, you know, Bo Nix came up with a, you know, unbelievable comeback. So, I mean, I guess what, I'm 3-1, and 4-1 and one start the uh, – well. Yeah. Start it off. So, uh, you know, we're only going to go with uh, two games this week. Okay, good. All right. Let's, let's start, start with – Yeah, what do you got? What's your first one? We got, you know, we got the big one, Texas, LSU. I think that's the big game of the week. Um you know, I'm really big on, you know, Texas coming back in the football world. You know, they had that uh, that really long stretch where they were just kind of non-existent, you know. But I think they got a good group of guys this year, and I'm a big believer, and uh, Tom Herman's going to really uh, turn this program around. So, we got Texas LSU this week. I think it's Texas 10, LSU number 7. Mm-hmm. Um I think Sam Ellinger is going to have an unbelievable game. Uh, he showed really well last week, and I don't know what it is. I I just have this huge, just just huge feeling that Texas is going to go off this year, and I think they're going to upset number seven LSU. Wow. Okay, that's your, that's your biggest biggest upset special so far of the year. Uh, right now, LSU is. I believe a, a five or six point favorite uh, at Texas too. So we'll see, and and obviously. Uh, that win last week that Texas had against Louisiana Tech, they went up in that game uh, 28-0, I believe. Louisiana Tech, not a bad football team either, so they look really good there. Erlinger, Erlinger doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but we'll see what happens. Again, we go against the SEC. I don't know if that's a good proposition, but we will find out this week. Speaking of SEC, Texas A&M and Clemson also on Saturday. Texas A&M last year, as you know, Austin was really one mm-hmm. of the that took Clemson to the brink there. Their offensive lineman earlier this week said on Texas A&M they're going to win the game. Uh, obviously, uh, the Tigers are a huge favorite in this game to win. Is it a blowout? Does Texas A&M keep it close? Is there a coaching factor? Does Jimbo Fisher coach his way into this game this week, or is it a disappointment and a dud? I mean, again, like this is the same concept with, I believe, in Texas. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to Texas and Texas A&M just getting back on top of the you know the college football world. You know they got another experienced quarterback, Kellen Mond. Again, this kid is going to be. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. And you know this is going to be an up in the air game. Uh, Dabo Sweeney wasn't really happy with Clemson uh, last week when they played Georgia Tech. He even said it himself. But again, Clemson is a very dominant team this year. Uh, you know they got returning. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who looked really good, I think. But, again, this is going to be an up-in-the-air game for me. I feel like uh, – I expect it to be a really good one, but I feel like Clemson's going to take it out. But I really would love the upset with a and taking it over. What, what, kind of, what kind of score do you think we're looking at here? you think it'll be a close game? What does what uh, Clemson end up winning? I, 
I think it's going to be close in the fir- in the first half, but I think Clemson's going to uh, unleash in the second in the second half. I think it's going to be forty point game. I feel like it's going to be at least forty. It's going to be forty two to twenty eight. I feel like. 42-28. All right. So uh, closer game than, than I guess is, is what's projected. Uh, all right. So uh, those are Austin's picks for the week. Of course, he will return next week. He's a little bit under the weather, as you can hear, but he's powering through it. And, uh, of course, Marlins play the Royals this weekend. You can go to the game and check out Austin, maybe play some catch with him in the outfield, get beyond that uh, net. Thanks again, Austin, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. We'll catch up again uh, next week as we preview week three. Appreciate it. Thank you.